Well, hello there. It is great to see you and welcome to another installment of Go Beyond Numbers. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. And as always, in just a few moments, we're going to have the star of our show, Mr. Tony Rose, joining us in just a few moments to dive into it. It's really an exciting topic today. I'm excited about our conversation for a lot of reasons. Uh, but look, before we bring Tony on, I want to kind of set the scene as to, you know, what we are diving into today. Really, we're, we're you know, take a page out of Tony's playbook, specifically the playbook being his new book, Go Beyond Numbers, Surprising Discoveries About Successful Businesses. And particularly what we're getting into with, the, you know, his new book are 23 strategies. You know, he, there, there's a 23 strategies guide that Tony really implements in his new book, all of which pertaining, you know, to his discoveries about successful businesses. A lot of great stuff packed into these 23 strategies. We're not going to go through all of them today. We got to leave something to be desired, right? We want you to head over check out the book, but we are going to dive into four particularly, four that pertain to the four capitals that you've heard us chat about in prior episodes. So before, I don't want to steal any thunder from Tony, so let's go ahead and bring him on and get today's conversation rolling. Tony, good to see you. How are we doing today? Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. I cannot complain. Good to be here with you. Hey, I always look forward to getting together with you. It, it's always fun. Always fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tony, we're, we're going to be diving into, you know, these four of these strategies from your 23 strategies guide today. One of the first ones that we have, let's, let's go ahead and get right into it. And this is one that pertains to the human capital. You know, one of the most important capitals that we've discussed at length in prior episodes, the first one, it's strategy number four, the strategy being identify your employees striving instincts. Talk to me about what it is that you mean by your employees striving instincts. What do you mean here? So I, 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 can we back up for a minute? Ryan, yeah, absolutely. And just remind everybody what my thoughts are about what everybody owns and every business possesses. Please, yeah. So, so what I discovered as I was helping people with their numbers is that, in in a sense, it was never about numbers. It was always about what the numbers represented and the different characteristics and things that people and businesses own uh, that creates those numbers. Those four things are the human element, human capital, the relationship element, social capital, the things that the company does knows intellectual capital, and finally, the uh, structural capital, the way companies do things. So it's very important that you understand that money happens when those things are working well. And so these 23 strategies that we're talking about, uh, the first of which we're, today we're gonna talk about striving instincts are characteristics uh, amongst those capitals. And, and we highlighted things to do one thing about business books is they tell you a lot of what, but they don't talk about how or what you can do. And I wanted to make sure that those that read my philosophy about how businesses work actually has some hows of how to get things done. So let's talk about striving instincts. Mm -hmm. There's a woman who in the 1980s, observed that people were just not successful. Her name is Kathy Colby. And she was wondering, being the child of a man by the name of Wonderlick, 
who had a very famous IQ test that was pre pre uh, preeminent in the 1950s and the 1960s. Why people that had a high score on that, uh, that test didn't seem to succeed. And she came upon the concept of something called conation, C-O-N-A-T-I-O-N. So if you think about the creative process, if you think about how we get things done, you have to want to do something. You have to then learn how to do it or understand how to do it. And then you have to go about doing it. And what conation describes is the process by which if we are free to do it the way we want to do things, naturally, how you go about getting it done. Kathy observed that there were four ways that people begin their action, their behavior. The first way is gathering information. The second way is creating a process or a system. The third way is to intuit, to guess, to just go ahead and do things based on uh, a, a sense that you have in your soul or body. And the fourth thing is a way is, is to model. She called those things fact finder, follow through, quick start, and implement. She designed an algorithm that could help diagnose what your dominant uh, methods of action are, whether you begin with your fact finder, begin with your follow through, mm -hmm. begin with your in intuition, or begin with your sense of modeling, texture, color. And, and that is called the Colby A index, which can be accessed by going to colby.com you can purchase it yourself like I did a little over 20 years ago to help understand myself. When I took that index and I read what Kathy had to say about the way I was built, I actually started to cry. Wow. I had felt that I had been a fraud for years and years and years. Because what I like to do is learn everything I can about something and then get other people to do it. I call it the Tom Sawyer complex. You remember the story? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think we might have discussed that in some other shows. Mm -hmm. But briefly, Tom Sawyer having to paint the, uh, the fence, I asked by Aunt Polly started painting the fence, whitewashing the fence, going up and down like this, whistling happy. And his friends came along and said, you look like you're having such a great time. Let us do it. He said, oh, no, it's got to be done perfectly. His friends said, let us do it. He said, well, you give me. I think some of his friends gave him an apple. Another one of his friends gave him a frog, as I recall the story. And then Tom sat under the tree, smoking his corn cob pipe, watching his friends whitewashing the fence with great joy and love of doing it. Well, that's kind of how I'm built. Other people aren't built that way. And when we discover 
how you're built, how the people in your organization are built, you can better utilize those people mm -hmm. to be more productive. So in the early 2000s, we had everyone in our office take the Colby A index, everyone. And in fact, on our telephone call list, next to their extensions, we had the Colby numbers. Because when people operate beginning with different modes of operation, sometimes they misunderstand each other. And understanding that someone is driven in a different way than others, than you are maybe, that permits you to be more accommodative of other people's traits and characteristics. Uh, we, we, I, I encourage people, Ryan, to go to Colby.com and learn mm -hmm. more. Yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating way to break that down. And, and yes, I can see how, boy, it would be beneficial to leverage, you know, that the results of that to identify, you know, your different employees and, you know, what makes them tick and how to best motivate them so that you can achieve the best outcome. It's, it's a great idea. So again, we'll throw that up at the bottom of the screen, you know, www.colby.com to take that, that the Colby index. And so I appreciate you sharing that, Tony, and just how, how, you know, this is strategy number four of the 23 strategies list that you have in your new book detailing, you know, specifically leaning that is towards the human capital, uh, Tony, I'd Brian, love to, Brian, and I, yeah. I want you to remember, I am so committed to this process that I became a Kobe certified consultant. Oh, so fantastic. our office actually is capable of helping people uh, understanding their striving instincts. And, and that is available if you go to rsj.com and make an inquiry and want an appointment. We can help you do that. Sure. Tony, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, have you gone through the process of, you know, of working with, uh, you know, another organization or entity to, to have them take the Colby and then implement the results? What's that been like for you? Well, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Sure. It's certainly not about numbers. It's certainly way beyond numbers. And, and it's fun to do that. Colby has a wonderful process called RightFit that we help many businesses employ to help diagnose the kind of employee they need for a certain position and whether the employees they're interviewing have a high probability of success based on the way they are built. Now, the other thing to, uh, uh, to understand about the Colby Index is that there is no wrong to it. It's just the way it is. You can't make a mistake taking that index. I don't call it a test. It's not a test. It's an index. It's descriptive of who you are. It creates better understanding for your employer, for yourself, for your employees. And we, we use it that way here and value everybody for their richness of characteristics. And, and, and so I, I believe Colby is the best kept secret in the world of social science. Oh, man, it's fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing, sharing your experiences with it personally, as well as professionally, you know, you guys being certified to, to work with other entities. It's fantastic. Uh, Tony, it's interesting to hear you, you know, we here we are starting about different ways that you're able to look inward at your employees and, and utilize Colby to leverage the different ways that they approach situations. For our next strategy, uh, which is which is strategy number thirteen. Now, this one more, you know, is more associated with the social capital. You know, that capital that's built on the relationships that you have with people. We're going to look towards now, you know, the clients, you know, the the customers, if you will. Strategy number thirteen: know the ins and outs 
of your raving fans. I love this one. Walk us through this because, you know, if you use the Colby to get to the inside of your employees, now let's talk about the customers. What do you mean here about knowing the ins and outs of your raving fans? Isn't it true that if you don't know who you're serving, you don't know how to serve them? Mm -hmm. What you want to do, we, we talked about right fit in hiring employees. You also want to understand what the right fit for you is in your customer base. Who are you appealing to? To whom are you going to be delivering great value? Whether you're selling a product or whether you're providing a service, what is your avatar? Maybe that's an overused phrase now, but who is your ideal client? Do you know? Have you thought about it? Now, I'll bet that if you're in business, you have raving fans already. Think about it. There are people that come to you time and time again. They ask for stuff. They ask for you to deliver their value. What is it that you're delivering that they like? Now, I'll bet many of you, most of you, almost all of you have never asked them what they like the best about what you're doing or selling to them. Why do they like the product? What about the product makes them happy, makes them coming back? Is there a way that they want it delivered to them? If you're in a service business, what is it that they want from that service? Why do they like you delivering that service? You want to understand that. So how do you do that? Easy. Ask them. Ask them the question. What is it about us that keeps you coming back? Two things will happen. One thing is that they'll tell you. The second thing is the fact that you're interested enough to ask them that question will make them even more committed to you. There's a phrase I say around here in our office. We want to be wow accountants. What does wow mean? Won't operate without. We want to do the things for our clients that are so impactful in their lives that they can't imagine living their lives without having us in them, even if it's only in a small way in their lives. So what you want to do is create that customer, that client avatar, and you want to have as much clarity as possible about what that is that they value. Then you want to give them more of that and less of the other stuff. That's kind of what that is. Create a raving fan. Yeah, I love this idea that not only do you go to them for the information of what makes them happy, but it does also open up that opportunity for a positive dialogue, you know, to 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 have a, a really clear touch point with your client or your customer, uh, you know, almost as a face-to-face -face testimonial, if you will. I mean, so often uh, are, do we find companies leveraging testimonials through advertising or, or through media content as a whole, but Hey man, the good old conversation is just as good sometimes because that testimonial can tell you why they are your raving fan. And then just as you said, Tony, you can leverage that once more to go provide more of what it is that makes them the raving fan. I, well, I, I you love know what, that. You know what, Ryan, what, what, what 
there's people that will ask that question and want it only to get testimonials. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's not genuine. Sure, that's not sure. Genuine. I think you want to ask that question to really uh, encourage constructive free feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I sometimes cringe if I ask that question. I get afraid that maybe we're not doing a good job. Yeah. And when someone says we haven't done a good job, it hurts. I oh, don't. Yeah. But oh, I really I want to know it. I want to know it. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And, but at the same time, and when you're having that conversation, whether or not you're looking for that testimonial or you're really looking for the constructive feedback, uh, it shows in the way you go, you carry yourself and that you, you go through that conversation. And trust me, the client and the customer are going to be able to figure that out. So Tony, I, as I was getting ready to, you know, come aboard here and be with you for today's conversation. This is one that I was really excited to chat with you about because your raving fans are the key to, you know, prolonged and, uh, you know, frequent and established business over time. Uh, you know, they are your best referrals, uh, you know, your best testimonials, as we just mentioned. So I, I really love this one. And Tony, moving to the next capital, this, this idea of the intellectual capital, I really, I'm excited about this one for a few reasons, most particularly Look at the last few years we've all experienced between, you know, political circumstances, socioeconomic circumstances. We have been thrown so much uncertainty. We've had to make so many sacrifices, so many adjustments given everything happening in our world. Your strategy here in the 23 strategies, this is number 19, dealing with the intellectual capital is be agile. Could you speak to why it's so important to be agile and maybe even phrase it in, hey, just look at the last few years we've experienced. I, I've appropriated that terminology from my partner, Eric Swenson. Uh, and, and Eric is a, a leadership and human resources consultant. And we have a partnership with Eric to deliver those services to his clients and our clients as well. Uh, Eric wrote a book called the five a's and one of his a's is agility it's really really important to create uh an environment in your business where you can pivot where you can shift and there was no greater example than the beginning of march of 2020. we all know we all have lived with it and are still living with a lot of those elements that necessitates a pivot. Mm -hmm. I think about restaurant clients that never stressed to go business, that only survived because they pivoted and created good to go menus and ways to deliver that to go menu. I think about our accounting firm that went from having 50 people or more a day in our office to less than 10 a day in our office, but we still had 60 people on our team. We were able to do that because we were able to pivot. Now I have to credit my technology partner, Julie Choi and our technology manager, uh, Nahan Tran, who had us prepared to do remote work even before we were required to do remote work. But we were ahead on the technology curve and were able to, in a very quick week, get everybody online, everybody working online almost as effectively 
if maybe a little less efficiently as we were when we were in the office. Mm -hmm. This ability to pivot, the ability to change is a really wonderful characteristic. The phrase, that's the way we've always done it here is the beginning of a bell that signals the end of your business. It is the zenith of your growth and the begin of the slide downhill because the way we've always done it here is not the way you'll be doing it 10 years from now, very seldom. I'll give you an example in our business. When I started, the firm I worked for, it was a firm called Tillian Roth, typed the tax returns that we prepared for our clients. We would have an assistant with a typewriter, prepare the returns from our little pencil scratches. And in those days, tax returns had different colors, blue for corporate, green for uh, foundations, pink for trusts, yellow for partnerships, white for individuals. So we would have these things, this thing called whiteout. So when there was an error on the typing, if we had a yellow partnership return, we would have to very carefully white out, actually yellow out that line and put in the new typing. We're now 45 years later and nothing is rolled into a typewriter anymore. I think we maybe only have two or three in the office left. More likely than not, everything's done uh, in word processing electronically. And uh, rather than mail tax returns into the IRS, we electronically send them to the IRS. We used to have to have people regularly go to the post office to deposit tax returns. So we had to pivot. We had to change. In the book, I talk about the example of a file room. We used to have a massive file room with files and files and files on rails that we could roll so we could compress uh, we can compress them and get more files in the file room and then we would spread uh, the file the file cabinets out, pull the file we want and put them back together again. We solely reduced our need to have files. And in fact, what we did, was we eliminated the file room and built three offices. Now, you know what's funny? We don't even need that three offices because those people that were in those offices are now working remotely. So we're having to learn to be agile, to pivot, to do things different. You need to understand that when you have a product or a service, you want to be ahead of the curve as much as possible to find out what's happening. Um, when you couple that with what we talked before about finding your avatar, finding out what your clients like best, there might be new ways to package what your clients like best or what the product that your clients like, your, your, your customers like best in a way that creates greater value for them. That's the ability to be agile. Sure. Uh, you know, Tony, we, we've been speaking with some of these different strategies today, a lot of them having to do with how you can leverage them to reinforce the ability to see more productivity or, or just honestly bring your business to new, you know, new heights. 
This one in particular hits me, you know, in a particular way because the way you mentioned March 2020, you know, there was there was some sinking and there was some swimming that was happening for a lot of businesses during that time. And what we saw was, you know, the the businesses that were swimming, they were the ones that yes, they were able to adapt, you know, to adapt and to be agile. But could you speak a little bit about that idea? of, you know, being stuck in your old ways. That's not the way we used to do it and how that can be so detrimental when, you know, when being tossed a situation like COVID-19 in March, 2020. Sure. Sure. Uh, I can, I can think of a couple of businesses. I will use a, a, a business I'm involved with that I'm on the board of directors of, which is the Smith center for performing arts in Las Vegas. It is the place for, symphony, ballet, uh, Broadway theater, and is a wonderful complex and a wonderful group of people. And they've done a very great job for the city of Las Vegas. Now, one thing that happened is that obviously no one can go into the theater beginning March of 2020. Because they were fiscally responsible, they were able to give refunds or absorb credits for their patrons for those tickets that could not be used for performances. And I believe there may have been as many as 600 or more performances that had to be canceled wow. over this last 24, 30 month period. Uh, the Smith Center began delivering their value by going online and streaming performances. It started with Las Vegas entertainers who wanted to give back to the community and do, and, and do uh, presentations for the different constituents that uh, were patrons of the Smith Center. They adapted by doing online activities. Now, they didn't make a great deal of money from that activity, but they continued that relationship, which was as good as money to the Smith Center because it maintained their social capital with the community. I can think of another example where a company client of ours uh, that were uh, that that helped in the food truck industry, sales, servicing, rentals, and and tracking of food trucks, actually created a service to deliver food to people online um, uh, at at testing centers and at uh, and even during the election. Uh, uh, people online uh, waiting to vote and was able to generate revenue by delivering that service that was needed at that time. It's being able to be agile, figure out what's needed now and being able to deliver it. Mm -hmm. I Tony, I, yeah, no, I appreciate you kind of carving out some examples because yes, in both of those cases, those entities, you know, would sink. You know, they might not exist today had they not had, you know, the foresight, the the critical thinking, the agility to be able to, you know, dodge an issue or, or to make the best of a bad scenario. So agility, super important. So thank you for kind of walking us through that one, how that pertains to the intellectual capital. I'd like to steer our attention now to the final strategy in your, you know, 23 strategies list, strategy number 23, which pertains to the structural capital. This strategy being, Tony, partner your process with your values. 
Boy, is it ever so important to have core values for a company, something that everybody, both from the top to the bottom, uh, can really get behind and, and feels true meaning. And then, of course, the company is executed with those values in mind. Talk to me about your thought process between partnering your process as a company with the values of your company. I think in an earlier podcast, we talked about the importance of values. We talked about the mm -hmm. concept of core values and aspirational values. And I think we'll probably do it again as we go through the strategies uh, one more time. It's a funny thing. There's some people that create processes in their businesses, delivering a product or a service so that they can make money. And that's the value they express by their process. There's other businesses that create their process, their service, the way they deliver their, their product so that they can deliver value to their customers. And that's how they, that's how they uh, design their process. I believe your customers can figure out why you've developed your process. Now, some processes need to be developed to make it easy and effective, repeatable and efficient. But if you're doing it in such a way that it's just to make money, the clients can sniff that out. And if you are doing it in such a way to deliver better value, I believe your customers can sniff that out as well. That gets back to uh, our, our intellectual capital and, and our social capital issues. Is our process designed to create raving fans? And the only way you create a raving fan is have a value of delivery of good services and goods to your customer. That's a value. Quality, that's a value. Exper expertise. That's a value. Timeliness, that's a value. If your structure is designed to affirm those positive values, then you're probably got a winner. If your process is designed only to make money, to make it more convenient for you to collect the dollars, I think in the end, your customers will see you more as a commodity and will choose the lowest price bidder. You don't want to have that happen. So Tony, yeah, there are a handful of different, you know, strategies or, or you know, questions that you you like the you know you like people to ask themselves when they're going through this idea of of aligning their process with your values. Talk to me a little bit about this this thought process that you know a business owner or, or you know COO even should be asking themselves. Uh, as they're going through this process of aligning their process with values. Okay, I'm, lo I'm looking down at my notes uh, and and, and uh, there's really uh, four things that you can think through mm -hmm. when you're looking at your process and affirming your values. The first is, do, do they contribute to making a profit? You certainly don't want to have a process that doesn't make <laughs> you money. You can't sustain right. yourself if you don't make money. So that's a natural. Uh, have you measured the satisfaction of your constituents, of your customers and clients? That gets back to 
be wow. Be won't operate without. Have you asked your customers that question? Am I doing it for you? Uh, consider whether the employees that you have are in the right place to deliver the value that you're trying to create for your customers and clients. Uh, and you can do that by using your the, the analysis of striving instincts, by understanding what the uh, intelligences <coughs> of your different employees are, and are they able to deliver that? And we talked, I think we talked about uh, the, the intelligences in an earlier podcast. We might talk about that again, uh, Howard Gardner's uh, concepts. And uh, are, are they... Um, are, are they motivated by the right things? Are your, are your employees motivated by the right things? Finally, do you have a why? Why are you in business? There's a wonderful uh, YouTube uh, by Simon Sinek called The Golden Circle that talks about starting with the why. And I think he wrote a book. I think it's called Start With The Why. Um, uh, and and, and uh, before you deliver something, you need to understand why you're doing this. And, and that's what the why thought is in Simon Sinek's presentation. I recommend that. Hopefully, we can put that link to YouTube um, on, on this podcast. Mm -hmm, certainly. Okay. Um, so so you, you do those four things, and that's going to align your processes with your values. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the idea of starting with the why, because if your why is profit, if your why is, uh, you know, being able to pay off the bills at the end of the month, uh, it's, it's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to translate into the process because the process, like you had mentioned earlier, Tony, it's going to be a money driven process, not a value driven process. So I love the idea of that idea of starting with the why, because that should really always be within your core values, your why, and that should matriculate its way down through the process and the ultimate product that you provide. So Tony, we've, we've taken a deep dive into four specific strategies within the list of 23 strategies. I'm going to recap those four again for our audience. One final time. First of which was strategy number four pertaining to the human capital, that being identify your employees striving instincts. So looking inward, right? into your company, identifying your employees' striving instincts. Then social capital, which was strategy number 13, knowing the ins and outs of your raving fans. I love, Tony, how you you know, you know mentioned this idea of just having the conversation. You know, Let's not get bogged down with emails and meetings. Just be uh, open and honest and willing to accept that constructive criticism. A lot of good value in that conversation and what will you know, help you work out what those ins and outs of your raving fans are going to be. Third was strategy 19, the, the idea of being agile. Uh, this pertaining to the intellectual capital. Be agile. Look at the last few years we've experienced. You have to be agile, have to be able to pivot, regardless of the circumstances thrown your way. And then, of course, finally, strategy 23 with the structural capital, that being, you know, partnering your process with your values. A lot of great information here, Tony. There's, I mean, hey, we there's 23 strategies in total. We covered four today. There's another 19 for people to be able to look into. Where should somebody go, Tony? What should they be looking into if they're interested in these other 19 strategies? How can they find them? Well, I think that one way you can do that is to go to Amazon and order the book, Go Beyond Numbers, gives you a little more detailed analysis of all these 23 strategies. Mm -hmm. If you want to take a shortcut and get ahead of this podcast a little bit, see the other 19 strategies, 
go to uh, the site 23checklist.com. The number 23checklist.com. And you'll be able to pull up those 23 strategies and you can see for yourself. I think all of them have some value for you. Absolutely. Well, Tony, as we're bringing our conversation to a head, you know, we hit these four pretty hard today. I'm sure, you know, future conversations will be flirting with some of the other strategies on this list, but uh, any final thoughts that you might want to leave our audience with in regards to the four strategies that we chatted about today, how they could leverage them to best impact their business. Any final thoughts at all? Well, I, th I think it's important to repeat time and time again, that it's not what you do with your money. It's what you do with all these four things, your human, social, intellectual, and structural capital that determines whether you have a successful business. In fact, it determines whether you have a successful life. Be thinking about them. Be aware of them. Have them in your consciousness. Don't walk through your life in a fog. Be purposeful. And even if you don't get 100% of where you'd like to be now, you'll find that you'll go a lot farther when you do these things consciously. Fantastic. Well, Tony, look, I really appreciate you carving some time out of your day to be with us, to walk us through these strategies more in depth. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to having you back on for a future episode down the road. Thanks, Ryan. Nice to be with you today. Oh, absolutely. And, and Hey, look, we want to take one final moment as always to thank you, right? Our audience for jumping along, being aboard with us here on the show today. If you liked what you saw today, benefited from any of the conversation, do me a favor, like the show, comment on it, subscribe to it on any platform you're checking us out on. And then of course, share this information with friends, family, business owners, anybody really that you think would benefit from conversations like these. Cause at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're diving into strategies, tips, solutions uh, that can help both bolster businesses and, and their, you know, their daily operations. Tony's got a lot of experience in this world and we would hate to have you miss out on any beneficial conversations down the road. So for Mr. Tony Rose, I'm Ryan Ruff. We're going to go ahead and say so long today, but we thank you one final time for joining us on today's edition of Go Beyond Numbers. <laughs>